as we were praying for the three ladies, our family, um, just have a sense that you're going into the nation low. You're going in low. And um, there's something so powerful about humility and in going into a nation and just bringing the, the gospel, just even carrying the gospel because of who you are, of Christ in you. So it's such a beautiful, weighty thing going in low. And that is actually what I'm going to be talking about this morning. Um, don't really know how it's going to all come out, but um, I've just been sensing on my heart uh, over the last few weeks about this coming in low. What does that mean? You know, it's, it's humility. And uh, you, you may say, oh yeah, well, I know humility. But in this season of reflection and our heart gaze, you know, we, we're in this sailor moment. Um, I think it's so vitally important to understand what coming in low really means and how it affects our entire lives. And um, I just wanted to read uh, Nehemiah. I haven't been there for a while. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven the heaven of heavens with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. The word worship there means to bow, so the host of heaven bows before you. So Nehemiah is saying here, you are the Lord, you alone. You've made heavens, the heavens of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. All of creation, the heavens and the earth, responds to God this morning as we sing his praises and as we worship him. And they not only just sing praises and lift him high, but all of creation and the heavens bow. And it was a beautiful thing when I, you know, I was playing drums this morning, but I just wanted to bow. And I had a little peep, and some of you were lying on the floor, and that's what I want to talk about today. Unless we have bowed our knee and bowed our hearts, we can never fully comprehend all that Christ has purchased for us on the cross. Because it's a new life, this new life we now live positionally. We're seated in Christ in heavenly places. It's not just in our song or in our scripture. It's actually our position in Christ. And experientially, what, how we experience him in our relationship every day. Okay, and I, it's coming in low. It's having a heart and a life of humility that enables us to comprehend the fullness of what he has actually done. To understand and comprehend the born-again life. There's a song um, by a group called People and Songs, and uh, there's a couple of lines that say, I die, oh, I die, I die now daily. <laughs> I die now daily because I've learned to live in the grace that belongs to all who are born again. It says, I feast now daily because I've learned to live. 
we'll probably do that song next week. But Philippians 4, verse 12, I want to talk about, um, just mention the Apostle Paul. It's a very well-known um, scripture. A bit too much stuff here. Paul says here, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We often quote that without reading the verses before that. He's learned what it is to be low. And he's learned what it is to live in abundance and to abound. The Apostle Paul was trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. And he found that the strength of Christ's explosive power infused him to conquer every situation. It's not just a nice thing that Christ lives inside of us. It's a very powerful thing when we realize the infused explosive power that resides in each and every one of us as born-again believers. And it, because when we believe and we understand the power that lives inside of us, our circumstances do not affect us, whether we have much, whether we have little. He knew what it looked like to die daily and live fully in Christ in every circumstance. And I think today we can learn from Paul and really apply it to our everyday lives in the season that we're in on the earth. Because things are tough. And uh, we look at the secret that he had. What was the secret? It was humility. It was living low. He knew how to live low. Isaiah 57 verse 15 It says, for thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Isn't that beautiful? He also dwells with the person who is of a contrite and lowly spirit so that he can revive the spirit of the lowly and the heart of the contrite. We've got to understand that this big God, this big creator of all, longs to dwell inside because he longs to revive a contrite and lowly spirit. So it's important that we sustain a contrite and lowly spirit in every area of our lives. So the word contrite I don't know if we use that word very much in our language these days, but contrite means that it's a heart that recognizes that it is nothing without God. David had a contrite heart. He would pray and say, Lord, a contrite heart is what I want. A heart that recognizes that it is nothing without God. It is always mindful of Christ. Always mindful of Christ. And understands that apart from abiding in him, we can do nothing. Remember John 15, 
this fire. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So as I was just putting some notes down, I was reminded, as we were talking about coming in low, I was reminded of a Hebrew word for worship. So remember, those of you who don't know that Hebrew words were used in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament. So the Hebrew word for worship is the word called shakar. Shakai, like that, which means to bow, to prostrate oneself, to bend the body or turn the head toward, to incline. So when we often read in our English translations the word, oh, and they worshipped before the Lord, da, 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 da. what is the first picture you have in your mind? Oh, we worship and sing songs. The real root meaning is to bow low. To, to put our faces on the ground, to prostrate ourselves, to bend the body or turn the head toward, to incline. And then the Greek word is proskuneo, which means to kiss, to crouch down. And it's a sign of respect and submission. And the literal meaning, many of you know this, was as like a dog licks the hand of his master. How the dog comes and licks the hand of his master. So that is how we, we come prostrate and come low and, and bow before him and kiss him. That is our worship. So the next time you're reading or you're feeling, I, wanna, I just want to have some time of worship. What do we just, the default is to put a CD on? No, think about what we do. We can do that, but to come low and to worship him because that's the true meaning. That is what he looks for. See, if he dwells with us, is he enthroned upon the praises from our hearts that are bowed low? Bowed low. If you flip over to 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Um, in fact, we're going to read this. Um, I was reading this the other day about shepherding the flock of God. Chapter 5 is about elders and how we look after and oversee the flock. And it was such a good thing to examine our hearts in that. As you go down to verse 5, it says, Likewise, as these elders and chief shepherds come and, and uh, look after the flock, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Second part of verse 5 says, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. I want to concentrate on clothing yourselves, all of you, it says, with humility toward one another. The Passion Translation says it a little differently. It says, in every relationship, each of you must wrap around yourself the apron of a humble servant. 
because God resists the proud but multiplies grace and favor to the humble. So I just had, a, when I saw the word apron, I thought, oh, that is so lovely. How many of you think of your grannies and your mums? <laughs> Maybe some of you still do that. We, uh, they, they put on an apron because they know that it could get messy when they serve their families, when they're preparing and serving their families. They put on the apron. It's like a, a, a humility that comes on that person to serve their family. And that's what Peter is saying here. In every relationship with you, with you, your husbands, your family, with each other, your friends, just wrap around yourself the apron of a humble servant because God resists the proud, multiplies grace and favor to the humble. What does that look like maybe in this day? Maybe we don't put aprons on and serve each other all day. But I thought, you know, maybe it's being humble in our sphere is maybe... <laughs> being slow to speak and quick to listen. That is a sign of humility. Because sometimes we get revelation and we're so like, wow, you got that, I got this. But, you know, how about letting it just sit and, and chew on it and meditate on it and let it go into your own self before you share it. And when you're listening to others, listen. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. That's this beautiful sign of, of humility. How about this? Let's look at this. In an effort to love others and be sensitive to them, we often lose sight of truth. What is truth? The Word of God. Okay? This is a book of love, but it's a book of truth and of instruction. So when, in an effort to love others and be sensitive to what they're going through, we often lose sight of truth. We no longer help people if we lose sight of truth. What some do in the name of being open-minded or compassionate is actually done out of self-love and self-preservation. We'd rather be liked and accepted then tell the truth. How many of you, I'm guilty of that. And you know inside, oh, I just want to say that, but mm, I might lose this. And if you look at the prophets of old and Jesus and the apostles, Jesus was love. He, he, he is love. He is the way of love. And if you read all the red letters, <laughs> they're not all cuddly. They're pretty in your face. And I'm not saying you're going to get up in someone's face and just, blah, you know, give them the truth. Because without love, it's nothing. It's no power. But coupled with love, and coming from a place of love, it's powerful. So when we start operating like this, with, um, without truth, we begin catering our theology to people's desires and their sin. And our own desires and our sin. Okay? We sort of dilute the whole truth and the gospel just to accommodate our theology. And we prefer our own humanity over the truth of his word. I'll give you an example of that. We can... 
we can love to tell people that we should be looking after the elderly and the orphans and etc uh, etc et because the bible says true religion is that we take care of the widows and the orphans okay so you can have a good intention and know what the scripture says we end up substituting a life of power with a form of godliness without the truth and it's false humility it's not the humility that God is talking about okay it's about our humanity and a good thing to do rather than what does the truth say because if you read about <laughs> what he says about the widows and orphans there's a whole lot and we're not going into that now but there's a whole lot of other instructions before it says take care and shows you how to take care of a widow and an orphan so we just love to take that and whoop go on a tangent actually what does the truth say let's follow truth line upon line precept upon precept it's powerful anything else anything that it's my opinion anything that's to do with my humanity or self-preservation is devoid of power so one of our values as a church is to live with a culture of honor amen wow we've been bombarded in a good way with good information, good theology, good teaching on what a culture of honor should look like. And it's awesome, but it must be rooted in the truth of his word. We don't honor each other by allowing and supporting just any talk or beliefs or opinions. Oh, what do you think today? Oh, well, that's nice. It's not really in the word, but, you know, we'll accommodate you, you know. Even the way we counsel people, the way you sit with a friend next time and you want to disciple them, don't just be moved by what you're feeling in the natural or emotionally. You've got to know what the truth of the word is saying so that you can bring change and power into that person's life. But even for yourselves, we've got to watch what comes out of our mouths and what we believe and what, what opinions we have about things because we read and we're so open to so many things all the time. We need to regularly bring it back to what the truth of his word says because that's where the power is. Andrew Murray, how many of you know Andrew Murray? He's written so many beautiful books and um, he encourages daily responses and daily worship to God. He encourages believers to sink down in humility. I'm just taking it as it was written. To sink down in humility and dependence and entire surrender to him every day. Not just once when you decided to follow Jesus, but every day. And then from that place, live in the abundant life that was purchased for us. It's good. It's good to take those um, moments where we meditate and we think about our born-again life and what it should look like. It's good to do it every day because every day things are coming at us in new ways. And if we haven't started out our day with proskuneo, with shakar, laying everything down, my opinions are low, 
My humanity is low. Everything, Lord, I'm reminded of what you've purchased for me, but I come in low. It's a, it's a beautiful daily experience and encounter with the Lord we can have. You see, when we stay low, we see him move on our behalf. And when I'm talking like this, it sounds like it might be, oh, she's so serious today. What's going on with her? So deep and melancholic. No. I'm so for the joy of the Lord, which is my strength, and I'm serious about it. We, we've got to have these things in tension. We've got to We've got to be purposeful about living in the joy of the Lord and to count it all joy when various trials and tribulations come upon us. We've got to be serious about it and go after it, okay? Not just, oh, count it all joy, and it doesn't really do anything in our lives or look like anything because we don't understand what we have died to and now what we live in. So let's stay low and see him move on our behalf because it's a matter of the heart, as Grant was sharing last week. And let's be trained in the secret of overcoming all things. Man, when I read that, I thought, oh, Jesus. To be trained in the secret of overcoming all things, learning to start low and then to abound in all things every single day. I just want to go back to, I did a bit of a study and I'm not going to do the whole thing, but just that word shakar, that Hebrew word for worship. If that's the only thing you remember today, let it be that. What shakar means, what worship really means. And um, you can break down the words and syllables and give it each meaning, which is so powerful. And when you do that, it means to behold, to look up, and to pay attention to what follows. That's what worship is. To behold, to look up, and to pay attention to what follows. It's very active. It's not just a feel-good moment. And as he draws close, and draws you close in the inner sanctuary, so that he can reveal himself to you. That's a worship encounter with Jesus. And then there's another way they break down this word numerically. I'm not going to go into all of it, but the, what the whole meaning of, a, of that word shakar, it means by a final blood sacrifice, we have been given grace for a new beginning. So when we come in and we shakar before the Lord and we come low and we bow, we're saying and declaring that by a final blood sacrifice, we have been given grace for a new beginning. And you can say that every day. That is our worship. Acknowledging the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our born-again experience, and then receive the grace that he has given us for a new beginning every single moment, every day of our lives. It's got to become a discipline you know, worship is something in the Bible that is commanded. Praise and worship is not just 
we know, church, you please know this, please tell me you know this, that it's not just singing songs before a preach, before a sermon. It's coming in, bowing low. And then from that place, there's all those expressions of praise that we give him. You know, we say he's high and lifted up, but he is so high, he is the most high God. <laughs> How much higher can we lift him? We actually can't. But we express because we love him, we adore him, and we give him the adoration that is due his name. That is true worship, and it comes from lying flat on your face every day, coming low, saying, I cannot do anything apart from you today. I am abiding in the vine, I shakar before you. I pay attention to what follows next, Lord. I incline my ear, I incline my heart to you. What is it you have for me today? That's worship. So I'm going to ask you to stand because I don't want to just give information today. Um, Sal, if you can come, if you're available, to the piano. So we're going to sing that song that um, Sal wrote for this morning about worthy. And um, don't switch off at this time because I, I've made it short because I'd rather you experience that moment with God and just be reminded of what we do while we do it. So don't dial out now. We're going to just, I want you to think upon the Lord. I want you to pay close attention to what he wants to show you in this moment. I don't want anyone in this place to leave without having seen him, having heard him, having felt him this morning. some of you in this place want to actually do it physically express and lie before the Lord, prostrate put your face to the ground you just want to lift your hands or lift your heart to Him, fix your gaze upon Him this very day that He is worthy He is worthy, He is worthy it's not more information that we need, people. But we need to understand what we know. And then have the discipline in our lives to, to live it out and to act it out. Because we're serious about our born-again experience. Thank you, Jesus.